This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Welcome to the Laravel News Podcast. This is episode 46. Is it that right? Is. It is 46. Boom. First time without having to ask you. That's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> Michael is having some internet problems in Australia. Imagine that. So yeah. we are actually doing this via Telegram. Telegram has this new calling feature, which I've used a couple of times, which mm-hmm. is really pretty handy. Yeah. Yeah, it's getting I think I've called you at work a couple of times, haven't I? Yeah, you have. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, oh, Sometimes Jake's it's just calling. more convenient. Huh? Yeah, absolutely. Jake's calling from the US. Yeah. So uh, we're going to try and make this work. So we are going to run down a list of a bunch of stuff that's kind of happened. We have Laravel 5, 5.5.3, 5.5.5, 5.5.11, and then 5.6. We're talking about all that stuff. So, um, no dilly dallying around. We're going to get right down to it. So Laravel 5.5 now includes trusted proxy and we talked a little bit before the show and taylor actually mentioned this on a couple other podcasts i think and then even at laricon but do you want to just real quick for me specifically sure for other people as well who don't know what that is can you explain that real quick for us yeah so i guess the main thing for this trusted proxy package and it is a wrapper over some symphony components is if you are running a load balancer typically you will have HTTPS at the load balancer and maybe your servers that sit behind it would be served over HTTP because you know that the communication between the load balancer and the the web server nodes themselves is secure. So you don't worry too much necessarily about doing full end-to-end encryption. Mm -hmm. So when you're generating your URLs within your Laravel application, it won't know that it's behind a load balancer and so it will generate all of its URLs as HTTP. Now, your load load balancer might actually correct that and then redirect everything to HTTPS, but you've still got, you know, that extra hop of hitting the HTTP endpoint and then HTTPS. So what the Trusted Proxies package allows you to do is define an array, essentially, of trusted proxy addresses that it knows that it should automatically trust those addresses and it will handle rewriting the URLs for you. Well, that's pretty handy. Yeah, I can see that being a problem. That would be... And that would be super annoying. And I think that was what Taylor had said too. It was like kind of like a common problem that people yeah. were running into. So he said, you know what? I'm going to quit answering this question online and being like, just install Trusted Proxy. And we're just going to install mm-hmm. it by default. So yeah. So in 5.5, it is now included. And Chris Fidao, I believe, is the author of that. So thanks, Chris. Yeah. Chris is a longtime Laravel community member. So uh, Servers mm-hmm. for Hackers, shout out for him. He uh, does some great work. He was around before Forge was. And uh, he was like the, the server guy. And uh, so he does good stuff and has a course out there. So check that out, everyone. Okay, 5.5.3 released. There's a couple things like three or four that we're going to talk about here. And then the full change log, of course, is available in GitHub. And then there's actually a post out here on Laravel News that goes through some of this as well. So we're going to go through just a kind of a high level here. So there is a rescue helper. And what this does, uh, this is a global function that helps a offer a clean way to return a default value on a throwable exception. So uh, if you have a function that throws an exception, you can wrap this in rescue and then you can return a closure that will catch that throwable and return something instead. So for instance, uh, let's say that you have a guzzle call and you want to catch any exception that's going to come out of that and you just want to return 
uh, an abort 404 with a message to your user or something like that. Mm -hmm. It would be really easy to do that instead of doing a try catch and doing all that. You can basically just say rescue, make your guzzle call in a closure. And then as a second closure, you would just pass uh, app abort 404 and the message. So it basically just allows you to do really simple rescue functions, I suppose, right? Yeah. I don't know if there's a better way to better way to explain that. So Yeah, I believe it's it's borrowed from Ruby. I could be mistaken there, but I think they've got a like a rescue syntax in the Ruby language. Mm-hmm. But it, it's it's basically a cleaner way. You know, you don't have to put the try and the catch block in there. It's just a two function uh, parameter function. <laughs> so you pass, you know, two functions. One is the function that will, uh, well, one, sorry, is a callable that will handle your success case and then if that fails if it throws an exception at any point then the second parameter is just what you should return instead so instead of wrapping the whole thing in a try catch block you can optionally use the rescue and you know whether that is fit for your purpose or if you think it looks cleaner you decide whether or not you want to use that, obviously. And one thing that the implementation that they kind of cite as an example here for where this is really useful is in your tests. So in your tests, you may have had before, like you have to set which exception you're expecting it to throw. And it kind of be, you know, it's kind of like an annotation. It can be kind of annoying to, to set that up. I believe that's how it works. Mm. Uh, so like in PHP, I believe as an annotation, you put like, hey, we're expecting this exception to be thrown and then you run it and, and you know, if that exception does throw, then it's good. Yep. Um, so they give a couple examples here where you just say this assert equals, you pass in the rescue, and then the thing that you're trying to, that you know is going to give you an exception, mm-hmm. and then you just pass like a, if it did throw an exception, send through, yep, the exception was was thrown. And then you can just assert that you got that text back. So I would take a look at the examples. It looks like it's going to make testing for exceptions being thrown in your code a lot easier. Uh, and that looks like a really good use case for it. There we go. Uh, another cool thing in 5.5.3 is the JSON blade directive. So how many times in your code have you ever had to do in like the footer, right? You have script and then you need to kind of assign a JavaScript variable. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you'll have to do is var example equals and then quote, and then you'll have to do your your Laravel kind of like curly braces there, but you need to make sure that it's not escaped, right? It's actually yep. going to pass actual JSON in. And then you have to do like JSON in code and then you have to pass through the string or whatever, right? Or sometimes you don't have to do that if it's, you know, if Laravel is already returning it as JSON, whatever. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, there is a really easy way to do that now, which is using a JSON directive that is now provided in 5.5.3. So you just say at JSON and then you pass in the data and it will take care of quoting it and making sure that it's actually rendered correctly to your uh, Blade template. So check that out. It's pretty cool. There's a lot of other things in there that got pushed in and it uh, looks like about a list of like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, seven or eight uh, pretty neat things, including geospatial blueprint methods. I don't know, look that mm. up. That would be, you know, like we've got integer and string and text and all that kind of stuff. I guess it would be then functions for the geospatial columns that are available. I don't know if they're available in MySQL, but definitely in Postgres. I think they are in MySQL, actually. So Titan had a blog post out there. In any case, it looks like it kind of snuck in there in the 5.5.3 change log. So if that's something you're interested in, kind of calculating distances using uh, just columns in your MySQL tables, that might yeah. be something you'd want to check out. So go look at the go look at the post. You can find it in the show notes. Yeah. Maybe I'll have to go and revisit this because I just did a whole bunch of geospatial stuff in uh, the project that I'm working on. So maybe I will revisit yeah. and refactor. Awesome. Yeah. Um, 5.5.5 released and it released with a new route fallback. 
to help customize your 404 views. So what it looks like is you can specify within any of your groups in your routes in your web.php within a group, you can specify a route that is route colon colon fallback. And what you can do is you can point that to a controller action and then you can customize the response that gets sent back or you could probably just pass through a closure as well and return whatever you wanted. And then it looks like outside of that, you could just have route fallback just on the outside, on the very outside. And that would kind of act as your default 404, it sounds like, or it looks like. Yeah, it's a nicer way than just having like a generic view that would have a 404. So you can obviously override Laravel's default errors by placing a template inside, I think, the resources views errors, and then you just put a 404.blade in there. But you don't really want to start putting conditional logic in there that, you know, if you're inside the, the dashboard, um, you know, route group, do this kind of message on your 404 page. And if it's anything else, you can do that. You know, if, that's if beautiful, yeah. Conditional checking in your view, you don't really want to do that kind of thing. So this allows you just to define controller methods inside your route definitions. And then you can handle, you know, returning specific error pages or error views from within that controller, which is a little bit cleaner. It's, it separates the logic from your views a bit better. Yeah, no, that's really clean. That's really clean. Uh, And you could, I suppose, hmm, I wonder if it would take just a, you could just return like a view. But the thing that it does with like, by giving you the ability to send it through to a controller in action is that you actually have access to the sessions, the cookies, the the auth, all of that stuff, right? So you can actually return a pretty customized 404 page by sending it to a controller with an action. You really have Mm -hmm. a lot of control over what what the 404 response is going to be. Wow, well, that's really nice. Yeah, and if you need to do any logging of, you know, generating error identifiers so that you can give that back to your user to say, hey, this this error was um, created, page was not found for whatever reason, you came from this page, you can do all that kind of tracking in there and then give the user some kind of reference if, if your application is at that level where you need to track down those errors. So basically giving you the full access of the the framework without just returning a dumb view, essentially. Yeah, that's really nice. That's really nice. Uh, Along with that, we also have the include first directive, which basically will check to see if a view exists and you can pass it an array, essentially. So you can say, here's my array of views that I may want to render. Find the first one that actually exists and render that. So, for example, like if you had a blog post or something like that, I suppose. Is that a good example? Like a blog slug, you could say like, hey, if this yeah. is found, go ahead and go ahead and do yeah. that. Otherwise, So the, the way that I, I thought of it when I saw this cam first is in the way that WordPress basically has its temperate, template hierarchy. So you would have, yeah. you know, a view specific to the slug of that post and you would have one for the category maybe and then you would have the fallback to the, you know, default blog post view. Yep. Yeah, that makes really good sense. But, you know, the same token, you know, if you were building an online store, for example, you might have a product specific template, you know, it's something special, you want to put some custom layout on it, then you could fall back to, again, the template for that the category that product's in and then to a, just the default product template. Yeah, very nice. Very nice. It looks like there's a couple other little things that snuck into this 5.5.5. Like there's a dash M shortcut to make factory, which also makes a model, it looks like. So if you make factory, it'll make a model on it as well. Yeah, man, this is really like, you honestly just have to read through some of this stuff and just look at it. There's so many things that sneak in under the radar that you don't even, you don't see, you just don't see them. Like not everything can be added to the documentation or else it would literally be like, you know, 
three volumes of documentations. They really have to just pick and choose. So these these release notes are really worth looking at. Thanks uh, to Till for yeah. putting these things together. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely shout out to Till for all the work that he does putting together the changelog releases. Yeah. And to Paul Redman as well. Paul Redman is our uh, kind of our practically like full-time writer at Laravel News now. So he's really doing a great job of uh, documenting all these things and giving some good examples and pulling together the tweets and stuff too. So thanks, Paul. Yeah, thanks, Paul. All right, what else do we got? 5.5.11, we got a security fix in 5.5.11. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so in 5.5.11, which was out, I think, on the 21st of September, was to fix possible timing attacks on the Remember Me token verification process. So there's more information about the specifics of that in the blog post, which uh, we won't go into. But if you are on Laravel 5.5, it's best that you upgrade to the latest release. Yeah, you can find more details about that on uh, Laravel News. Uh, We'll make sure we put that in the show notes. Uh, Lastly, there was a little bit of discussion about uh, the fact that 5.6 is going to remove the artisan optimize command. So if you're not aware of this, anytime you do like a composer update, I think, or a composer install, if you look in your composer.json file, it kind of has a list of scripts that will run after composer install or composer update are, are run. And one of those scripts is PHP artisan optimize. And I believe what that does is it kind of goes through and does some caching of things mm-hmm. that are, are loaded you know, be it, albeit with your app or with uh, composer dependencies. Yeah. I'm not really sure. I've never honestly really looked into it. Have you? Not, not into in-depth detail, but Laravel basically has an optimized command which sits on top of the composer sort of optimized autoloader and that sort of stuff. And it was around grabbing all of your dependencies and, and looking things up in your Laravel application and storing them in a flat file, essentially. So instead of traversing the entire um, vendor tree, it would it would have references to all of the Laravel um, requirements directly in that file. So I just sped up loading things in production. But because PHP 7.1, I think, improved the way that opcode caching works, the artisan optimized command is essentially not needed anymore. Yeah, and what's funny is in 5.5, it actually shipped empty. So like the script is still there. It'll yeah. still run. And I think the reason he's doing that is so it doesn't break, uh, break deployment scripts for people that are calling it yeah. in their you know, in their stuff so it doesn't like freak out and say, oh, that's not available and now the deploy is going to break, right? So it's deprecated in 5.5. It's being removed in 5.6. So, yeah. uh, you know... He kind of like graciously gave us a little bit of time to be like, hey, for this version, it's it's just empty. Like there's nothing in there. There's nothing happening when it runs. It's just there. So it's not even being used in 5.5, but it'll be gone in 5.6. Yeah, I think it's a good sign of the maturity of the framework that the deprecations are happening now rather than things being removed. So, you know, you don't have to worry about things suddenly breaking between. And I know that Laravel doesn't strictly follow Semver, but it's still nice to have a bit of a heads up with those kind of things, especially as you say, it's going to be a far reaching change if it's going to break everyone's deployments because something's missing all of a sudden. Yep. 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 Okay. Uh, let's talk about dynamic templates with Laravel blade and view first. this is, is actually very similar to what we were talking about before, but this is, uh, not attached to like route groups or things like that. This is actually on the view class. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, you've got the directive with the view first now where you can pass in multiple views, but you also have access to this within your controller as well. So you can say return view and then the next, you know, arrow first, and then you can pass it in array. So you can handle it 
you can handle stuff like in your blade direct or in your blade template using a directive, or you can handle it in your controller. So I probably should have thrown that in that other section, but in any case, there you go. So it's view and then first, and then you pass an array of the uh, views that you would want to see. And mm-hmm. then the data as the and second the parameter yep. and it will kind of go through those and fall back until it finds the one that, that it, uh, that is available. Yeah. So anyway, there's a little, I forgot to mention that, uh, before there we go. Okay. I have got like, let's see, two minutes left. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's rip, let's rip through three more things then. All right. You okay. start, you go. All right, let's do it. So. The Laravel 2017 survey is out again this year. So last year we partnered up with Lara Jobs to put together a survey to see what types of projects people are taking on with Laravel, as well as to get some feedback on what the community could be doing better. And we had over 1,600 submissions with some great insights last year. And because of the popularity of that, we have brought it back again this year. The link will be in the show notes. We encourage as many of you as possible to take the survey. It certainly, again, gives us those insights I'm, I'm sure that Eric shares some of those with Taylor. I'm sure he's across a lot of them. So it's good to get that kind of community feedback. So help us help you. There we go. Uh, all right. Let's see so what else we got here. Sublime Text. Um, Sublime Text. Let's talk about Sublime Text. Sublime Text 3.0 is released. It's been in like a beta for a while, long yeah. time, right? So it's finally been released. Yep. So it's final now. The chap that uh, that is the main developer behind it just disappeared for a long time and there was a lot of angst amongst sublime text users about whether or not we would ever see another version of it again he just came out of the wild one day and was like boom here's uh the version 3 beta the beta's been around for i guess about a year it's it's pretty solid i've i've you know had no issues with it it's been very stable uh, i've certainly had no issues with it since going to the stable train so yeah Check it out. Upgrade your uh, your your Sublime if you have not already. If you are a Sublime user, yep. Or or check it out if you are using something else and you think you might want to come back. Also, if you purchased a license after 2013, your license is still valid for version three, which yeah. is pretty cool. So yeah, if you've upgrade. purchased a license anytime in the last four years, yeah. And then if you have one from before 2013, you can uh, get upgrade licenses, so you don't have to pull uh, mm-hmm. pay full full price for those. So that's uh, very good. Let's see, do we have anything else? Oh, we have top five Laravel community editor themes. So people are always asking, right? Like, hey, what theme is that you're Mm -hmm. using? What font are you using? What is all that stuff? So our very own Michael Dorinda, did you make the list, my friend? I know you spent a lot of time recently putting together a theme that matches the documentation style. Yeah, I didn't make, I'm I'm in the post that that theme uh, is is tacked on at the bottom as a, because I had finished it just after the, the survey had closed on the editor theme. So we had over 700 responses. 59% of the respondees to that survey were using PHP Storm, 36% on Sublime Woo-hoo! Text, 12% on Visual Studio Code, 8 on Atom, and 3% on Vim. So that were the top five community editors. So for those of you who are playing the Storm versus Sublime versus anything else game, Congratulations. Storm wins. Peter Storms. <laughs> Woo! Um, but we do have some great themes here that, that a lot of people are using out in the community. So we've got the material theme was the, the most popular of the theme, and that is available for Storm, Sublime Text, Visual Studio Code, and Atom. Um, then Darkula, unsurprisingly being that it is pretty much the, the default theme in PHP Storm, a lot of people are using that. But there are also ports for Sublime, VS Code, and Atom. Then there is also Dracula, which is sort of a uh, 
an alternate contrast on the on the dark yellow theme monokai which is a the sublime text default duotone which was was the default for adam and then material peacock and slime which were written by dale Rees in the early days of uh, sublime text uh still pretty popular as well and then the laravel documentation theme which i spent a bit of time last weekend crafting and a lot of this week sort of as as I was actually using it, um, refining and tweaking bits and pieces. So um, that's on package control now for anyone that wants to uh, take a look at it. It's pretty nice for those of you who like light themes or for anyone who likes the documentation theme. It's a, it's a pretty close match, I think. There we go. Last thing, uh, Laracon EU 2017 talks are now on YouTube. So go check those out. I think that wraps it up for this show. Michael, I'm going to let you take the outro. And uh, thanks, Jake, for putting me on the spot once again. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening to the Laravel News Podcast, episode 46. You can find the show notes at laravel-news.com forward slash podcast forward slash 46. You can also find the transcription for this episode at laravel-news.com forward slash podcast forward slash 46 forward slash transcript. If you like the show, obviously, feel free to rate us up five stars in your podcatcher of choice. If you have any questions or comments or suggestions for future episodes, feel free to reach us at Laravel News on Twitter or on our personal Twitter accounts. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We will talk to you in two weeks. See you later. Bye.